I just knew that God was with me and that if he, if he said I'm going to get better, then I'm going to get better. And so I, that was just my attitude. And one of the things Dottie and I did is we, we put no time limit on it. We never asked how long, once I left the hospital, we never left how long am I going to be in rehab. And we found out later, I, I literally almost walked out. Well, I did walk out of rehab on my own. I have a cane, a cane with, that I kind of use, but I was twirling it like Charlie Chaplin, right? Just to show the folks there that I'm out of here. And I, we didn't find out until later that um, I wasn't supposed to walk out of that rehab uh, center for three more months and, and probably with the walker. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Listen up. For such a time as this, we must grow our faith and business muscles. The self-help industry is trying to own spirituality and well-being. The entrepreneurial space is becoming flooded with business pursuits focused on success instead of sustenance. But the only one who can make us fully whole, fully free, and fully alive is Jesus. So I am ecstatic you walked into this hypothetical gym today. I'm your trainer, Tamara Andress, also coined an entrepreneurial rabbi teaching the pursuits of God, which unveil our purpose and ultimately unleash our desired provision. This FIT acronym is for founders, innovators, and trailblazers. Here, marketplace ministers conversate and educate to build others from the inside out while also sharing their testimonies of endurance. So while it's not a fitness broadcast, I do surely care about your mental, physical, emotional, relational, financial, and spiritual health. You're going to hear all about it. If you're passionate about your becoming journey, leading others to greatness, and living a life of abundance and joy, then you're well on your way to being fit in faith. Let's hydrate. All right. Welcome, welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. I am so excited for you guys to meet my friend, Michael Guthrie. I get to call him friends, not because we're friends just on social media, but we're like IRL. We're in real life friends too. And it was so cute. I smiled so big. Michael didn't get to see it on the intro trailer, but Janice must have snagged the photo of you and I when you came to visit in Virginia Beach. And so it was on the trailer and I'm like, oh, look, we really are IRL friends. It's so good. Um, But you guys are going to have a treat today as you get to hear from him. His wisdom is so, um, uh, I want to say meaty in, in the best way. I I don't really have a ton of mentors, I'll be honest. And if I was to put and categorize you into something, it wouldn't be motivational speaker. It wouldn't be author, though you are those things. It wouldn't be award-winning broker or real estate agent or any of those things. It would really be in the category of mentor. And I think people need more mentorship that's healthy and aligned. And so I'm grateful grateful to have you on the show today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, a couple of things that jumped out at me as I was listening to the music. 
uh, one that the second one reminded me of uh, uh, sort of Costa Rica and and the you know the kind of drum you know type stuff. And I know you love it there. And we're we're actually going there for the first time in August with the Yay! whole family. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so all fun. the kids, all the kids, all the grandkids. We're all going down. Oh, we rented a house. I'm not amazing. exactly sure where it is. Uh, I'll figure that out and I'll let you know. But yeah, the, but the second thing is that. It also reminded me, um, my kids, and, and quite honestly, uh, folks that have worked with me over the years, I have a tendency to do my own sort of uh, made-up raps. <laughs> do and you? I, 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 start, I started, you know, during, with the, the drum stuff, I could see myself kind of getting into, you know, whether it's a birthday rap or it's a, you know, whatever, I, I, I make these things up. And I don't know when it started, but uh, just posted uh, on, on Facebook, um, this past week where my um, sister and I uh, embarrassed our, our niece by doing a, a birthday rap at her 13-year-old birthday party. She's now married, has two kids, and but somehow those pictures came back up. And, that uh, is And there's a awesome. rap written on the pizza box. Um, so anyway. That is awesome. Uh, First off, it, I have to check that off. And secondly, I might have to retract that we're not real-life friends until you've rapped for me. So okay. gonna... <laughs> All right. well, I may you don't be, have to I do it here. Later in the month. <laughs> What'd you I say? Maybe down there later in the month. So I will do that. I will do that. Oh my God, yeah. I'll die. That's awesome. I'll, I'll try and bust out my slam poetry. I'm trying to teach my son how to rap as well. Even though I'm not a rapper, I'm a poet. So I, um, I, I definitely have an appreciation for words as you do as well, which is one of the reasons that we have synergy. And so I'd love to hear a bit. You have so much about what it is that you do, but more so about who it is that you are um, that I want the audience to hear from today. And while this is definitely has an element of testimonial um, sharing, it's also the teaching that I really value. And so I'd love to share about like the backstory of how you've gotten where you are. And then we'll get into some of the more like faith and business collision pieces. Yeah, great. And I'll, I'll kind of start with kind of where I came uh, to faith. And then we'll fast forward to Please. where we are now, if you will. Um, I uh, came to know the Lord um, in uh, uh, through Young Life uh, High School Ministry, um, where unlike a lot of people with the drunken disorderlies and all those kind of things, uh, mine was sort of the opposite. I thought way too much of myself and not enough about others and mm. hardly ever thought about God. And mm. I went on a Young Life uh, weekend and heard that I had the order totally upside down. And I think the the important thing as we talk is is the importance of people in your life, right? And my best friend, who is just four days uh, younger than me, he he modeled Christ in such a extraordinary way. I looked up to him in so many ways. And then I went on this weekend and I started hearing about you know that, and then beginning to see, okay, that's why Bill is the way he is. And uh, and so I made a commitment uh, to Christ at that point, and obviously began to. To grow in that relationship, I actually went on Young Life staff after college uh, for several years, got in the real estate business. I've been doing that for 40-some years. But the second part was, as you know, I, I went through a significant health challenge uh, four years ago, uh, came down with a thing called Guillain-Barre syndrome, was paralyzed from the head down for 17 days, and then spent another two months in rehab just trying to kind of make everything work again. And uh, it was such an extraordinary, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, and I'd certainly not want to go through it again, but even though I'd been a Christian for almost 50 years, or maybe a little bit more than 50 years, 
that experience has deepened my faith and made me realize that yes, this is real. And that in the midst of this really horrific scenario, God met me in that place in so many ways, so many ways. And, um, and then so out of that, for me, a platform was built and, and a platform was lessons learned through adversity and, and being thankful in all things, uh, regardless of whether it's, you know, a blessing or, or, or a challenge. And, before that, I could talk about those things. I could mentor people. I could teach people. But because I'd never been through the storm like that, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, Mike, it's easy for you to say that because, you know, you've got a wonderful wife. You've got kids, grandkids. Your, your career has been, a, you know, a, you know a, a somewhat of a success, you know, that kind of thing. But once I went through that, it just felt like people listened in a way they hadn't listened before. And like a young life term, you know, I'd, I had earned the right to be heard in, yeah. in those sort of thought processes. And out of that, as you know, came uh, the blog that I've been now writing for, you know, almost 14 years, four, excuse me, over almost four years, um, thankfulinallthings.com, uh, where I really, it was just about processing it at first. And now it's, what is God teaching me right now that I can convey uh, to folks? And uh I'm, I'm guessing you feel this way as well. Uh, there are times that I'm writing or I'm doing a clubhouse room or I'm leading my, you know, men's group on a Friday whenever and I, and I start thinking, you know, am I, is this really important to anybody? Is it, is it maybe time to stop? And then as soon as I do that, it's like the Lord has somebody email me, has somebody call me. You know, you, I can see you're absolutely in agreement with me saying, no, no, keep on, you know, keep on. And so, uh, you know, until until it happens that, that people don't do that, I'll uh, I'll continue to try. I really appreciate you thinking of me as a mentor because that's, you know, even though I've been in the real estate business for 40 years, what I love doing more than anything else is mentoring people, whether it's other real estate agents, other managers, you know, um, collegiate athletes, collegiate coaches that I have the opportunity to do this at UVA. That's uh, that's where I find my joy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's evident, and I think I would be um, so curious to almost interview the people that were a part of your life intimately, your spouse, your beautiful bride, your kids, things like that, on what you were like before. And while there might not be a lot of shift, they might say that you've always been this genre of man. You've always played this role in our life. You've always... I bet that there are some real meaty conversations that would arise around um, the heart posture, perhaps, um, maybe just even that depth. I feel like that's one of the reasons I love to listen to you um, and learn from you is because you have this real beautiful um, cadence to the way that you speak. And it's not necessarily about the words. It's just like I can sense the depth. I can sense the communion, I should say, that you have with the Father. And especially in what can be a very fast-paced, high-pressure um, experience that's very like money-hungry in the real estate area, I'd love to hear as you've been cultivating this company, how have you utilized that without necessarily putting, and you might, putting Jesus at the forefront in language when so much of what you do, especially through Thankful and All Things, is like scripturally based? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, when I got in the real estate business uh, 40 years ago, um, 
you know, I, I got in the real estate business because it was a business that I could make a difference in people's lives. Uh, unlike a lot of those things where you're selling this or selling this, this is you're selling somebody a home or helping somebody sell their home, whatever. But the other thing was, is I was going to do it my way. I was going to do it as a, as a man of faith and, and that that was going to be what people knew about me. And if that didn't work, then I was going to be okay with that. That obviously it wasn't what I was supposed to do. And so the way I went about becoming a real estate agent and then ultimately fairly quickly becoming in management and, and coaching others was exactly that, that the beauty of this business is you can be who you want to be. And, and if it doesn't work out, well, then it wasn't meant to be, but you don't have to just be pigeonholed into a particular type of scenario. I always say that, you know, uh, in, in my company, I always talk about the fact that uh, this is not a company where my way is the highway, right? Uh, this is a company where I'm here to serve you. And we just brought on a new person in our company to handle some of the day-to-day stuff so I can have some more freedom to do some other things. And I left her a note the other day uh, before her first day, and I said, you know, the three things that I said to the folks that of the company I'm with now 18 years ago, which is still hard to believe, is one, that I was going to manage them with a servant heart. That uh, and and you know from a from a biblical perspective, I didn't have to talk about my faith in that situation. I but I just wanted them to know I'm here to serve. And then I want us to be the best company we can be. We may not ever be the you know the best company, but we're going to be the best that we can be. And similar to what you're doing, Tamara, what I'm doing, and other things, I just want to serve the Lord and let the Lord kind of take it where where He wants it to go. And it may not ever be that I'm the you know this or that, but uh, I just want to be somebody that's known as somebody who's honored the Lord and, and what they've done. And then the, the third thing was, you know, the reputation in the community, both professionally and, and giving back to the community. And those three things I was able to share with them so that they kind of knew where I was coming from. And then, you know, in training and things like that, I would use biblical uh, passages and say, you know, this is this is a lesson that I learned in the Bible that may not be for you, but for me and what I'm talking to you about right now. And so there's no doubt amongst our almost 100 agents, they, they, there's no doubt who I am and who I serve. Right. And and thankfully, I think <laughs> uh, my life has um, been a testimony to that. And so I think a lot of people are willing to hear it and listen to me because they see it in my life. They yeah. see it in the way I care for Dottie. They see in the way I care for my kids. They see it in whatever, you know, um, for the most part, I mean, not that I haven't made mistakes and done things the wrong way and things, but then that's the other thing is being able to go to those people and say, Hey, I'm sorry, I blew it. Yeah. And honestly being able to, you know, how many people do we know in business that are afraid to say they're sorry or afraid to say they made a mistake and man, um, the freedom that we have to be able to say, God's in charge of this outcome, not us. And yeah, what he tells us to do is go ask for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. And I think that there's like this knowing that part of that forgiveness is forgiving ourselves where we hear this, right? Like forgiveness starts with us because it might not be that that person who has offended you or that you think you deserve an apology from ever comes, um, but that we have to be okay that we are forgiving them and we're forgiving ourselves because we've been forgiven. And so a part of that, as you were on essentially what I'm sure you probably 
perceived was your deathbed at certain parts of the scenario of paralysis. Um, were you angry with God? How did you kind of wrestle with him in that season? And and how has that now, obviously, other than like the depth of your faith and that connection that you mentioned, how do you help help others who are walking through heartaches and heartbreaks or physical ailments? So the first thing I have to say is people are going to say that I'm nuts when I say this. Um, and that it can't be the case. And I'm not saying it to pat myself on the back. I truly am saying that God was with me. I not one time said, why me? Mm-hmm. I not one time, you know, was bitter. Uh, certainly was miserable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> was yeah. physically miserable. I, I couldn't move anything. I'm a little bit claustrophobic anyway. Yeah. And so to be in a bed where people had to prop me up so I could sleep. And then when I woke up, I felt like the pillows were like boulders because oh. I couldn't move. And yeah. so this trapped, this feeling of trap. But, but I honestly can say not one time that I ever say why I mean, not one time that I was angry. For whatever reason, God gave me this, this message of um, you're going to be better. Just do what's next. Mm. You know, and, and uh, a friend of mine who's an orthopedic surgeon, he doesn't know anything about Guillain-Barre, he came into the hospital room pretty quickly after I was admitted because we were supposed to be together at a UVA basketball game. And he came in with his son and his girlfriend, who's now they're They're now married and have their first little child, which is oh, wonderful. Yay. I mentored him through high school and college and everything. And when they left the room, David came back in and said, Michael, I am not, an, I'm not, um, you know, a neurologist. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, but I did reach out to some friends and I want to tell you three things. And I said, okay. He said, the first one is it's going to get worse before it gets better. I said, well, that's really encouraging. Thank you so much, David, for sharing that with me. And and quite honestly, one of the miracles of this was that it never got into my diaphragm, so I never had to go on a ventilator and respirator, which some people do, which would have been miserable. Yeah. But first, he said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. The second thing you, you need to know is that God loves you, and he is with you, and he's going to be with you. And I said, okay, I like that one. And then he said, the third one was, you are going to get better. Mm. And so I just took that. I mean, I just took that as sort of the what you know, right from God that I was going to get better. So I never, for a minute, doubted that I was going to get better. Uh, now, my wife and the people around us, you know, some friends who came to visit me early on said, "I don't think he's going to make it." You know, my wife wasn't sure yeah. I was going to make it, but um, but in the midst of all that, um, I just knew that God was with me and that. If he, if he said, I'm going to get better, then I'm going to get better. And so I, that was just my attitude. And one of the things Dottie and I did is we, we put no time limit on it. We never mm-hmm. asked how long, once I left the hospital, we never left how long am I going to be in rehab. Mm-hmm. And we found out later, I, I literally almost walked out. Uh, well, I did walk out of rehab on my own. I had a, can, a cane with, that I kind of used, but I was twirling it like Charlie Chaplin, right, just to show yes. the folks there that I'm out of here. And I, we didn't find out until later that um, I wasn't supposed to walk out of that rehab uh, center for three more months and, wow. and probably with the walker. Wow. And so the, the quickness of the way it came back, I, one, believe the power of prayer, but I also believe this attitude of I'm just going to do what's next. If they tell me I go to physical therapy, I'm going to go to physical therapy. They tell me to go take a nap. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to do what they tell me. And I'm just going to focus on what's next and not get way out in front because, you know, if they had told me I was going to be there till August, you know, that would have just brought such discouragement to me. But the last thing I would say, Tamara, in regards to this is that um, 
that's what I was talking about. Just there was a presence that God gave me and a, and, and a faith that God gave me that was noticed by others for sure, yeah. but just kept me moving forward. And, and I really believe that that, you know, that attitude was, was critical. Right. And then the other thing, last thing I'll say, last last thing I'll say is there were some people rooting against me. There were people that who weren't Christians who knew I was a Christian. And they, I literally had friends tell me that there were people saying, I bet you he's really angry. I bet you he's bitter. I bet let's see how he does now that he's gone through. I couldn't believe it. You know, they were telling me that. And, Whoa. I mean, one, I was kind of stunned by that. Two said, okay, I'm going to show them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, watch me come back. Watch me now. Look at me now. <laughs> Look at me yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, one of the things I was going to say, because there's, there's so much uh, richness to it, is it, were you ever at a point in your story, because I feel like this all the time, and I actually have a prayer like that always is going up to the Lord about letting me and allowing me to see forethought in his work and his goodness and in the scenario. Do you feel like your hindsight was 2020 to be like, wow, God, I see how you use that? Or is it one of those things that you're like, I don't know that I'm ever going to know until I get to heaven why that happened to me? Um, I think, I think it's both and, yeah. um, I think there, I'm think I'm going to learn things in heaven where people were impacted in a way that I didn't know. Right. Kind of like that book to, um, five people you'll meet in heaven by yes. Mitch album, yes. you know, where he does these little things for people and then he meets them in heaven and had no mm-hmm. idea that what he did rippled, whatever. So There's certainly going to be that. Um, but I also think that God was kind enough to show me and, and to allow me to hear people say, what my journey meant to them and how it's moved them toward more of a faith journey and the way that I dealt with things and handled things. And, um, uh, so, but, but it goes back to that platform thing. Uh, and I think you can appreciate this. You know, we, we're, we're to get up on that, uh, that platform and we're to share what God has for us to share, uh, until he wants to take that platform down. Right. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I, there's no doubt that as I go through this, and now it's been four years, the freshness of what I went through and what people know I went through diminishes. Yeah. And therefore, I can I can imagine that um, at you know at some point um, that that platform goes down, and God has you know other other plans for me to to speak on other things. Yeah. I think um, just to give you some encouragement in that and that I still see you as who you are. I actually didn't know that story. When I read your bio, I was like, wait, I didn't know that that happened. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful to learn. And I can't believe it was such a short period of time ago. Um, And coincidentally, on Sunday night, I watched 90 Minutes in Heaven with my kiddos. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. Oh, you have to watch it, Michael. It's well. First off, it's a, a worldwide New York Times bestseller. It's been in circulation for many, many years. Um, but it's also wow. on. I think it's. It wasn't Pure Flix. We often watch it. I think it was Amazon Prime. Um, and me and my kiddos watched it, and it actually parallels so much to your story. He he sadly got in a very um, severe car accident. But there was this season where he didn't oh, know wow. how long he was going to be there. And I could see as you were talking about the pillows being boulders, I was, I can see what he walked through being a boulder in that bed and then coming home and actually still being in the bed 
But it was better that he was home and around his kiddos than it was that he was in the hospital and he still had so much to do um, and so much that God had in store for him and he just couldn't see past his own pain for a long time. Um, and so I'm grateful to hear that there is a variable perspective in the understanding that like, you got to know throughout the process where this guy was, and this is why I asked the question, were you mad? Because you don't seem like a very angry person anyway, but he was so <laughs> angry with God, but he was a pastor of a church and he was literally dead for 90 minutes and he spent that time in heaven. And so he had an opportunity mm. to come back to earth and tell everybody about his circumstance and what happened there. And so I just imagine that that time where you were literally on your back, that there's so much of your testimony that will forever be um, moving forward as you witness people um, walking through that that season of being on their back. And that could be literally or that could be figuratively. I've definitely been there in both circumstances, figuratively and literally. And I think that there's just power connected to how God shows up for us. Um, I would love to hear as we kind of pivot into this from a language perspective, from the way that you do teach and lead, you have a, a really large team underneath you. How many is it now? I'd love to there's about a hundred. There's about a hundred agents that that work with us. It's amazing. So I have never. Um, I will say never, even though my community is larger than a hundred people. But I don't feel like I've ever directly supported a hundred people. And that feels very cumbersome to me. Uh, I am an extrovert and an introvert. I am both and. And uh, I love people so much. But there is a couple of things that I find in my leadership style that I am trying to learn. Uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I believe that that's a good thing. I believe that God gets glory through that. But I have been burned. I've been taken advantage of. I've you know, been hurt. I've been led astray. I've, because I love people well, and I love people open-handedly and I trust people probably too easily. How do you decipher like who's on your team? How do they get access to you in that time? How do you create boundaries that keep you protected in that? Um, for those who are stewarding a small team or those who are stewarding, even maybe it's a client's relationship. So, the first thing I want to say, just because I really want people who hear this to, uh, there's nothing wrong with being angry with God. God, you know, time and time again, in the scriptures, we see where people, you know, screamed out, whatever. So I want people to know that my story is my story. That's and that's not to say I'm this, you know, wonderful guy, spiritual guy. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just yeah. for me, that wasn't the experience I had, right? And so I, I really want to make sure people understand that. But the second thing is, and it's a really good point about the being burned. Sunday morning in our clubhouse room, there was a woman who opened up, it was really sweet, uh, opened up about her being burned by her church. Mm-hmm. And, is, and it just knocked her off her, you know, yeah. off, her, off her platform kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And one, the beauty of the way people spoke into her, you know, mm-hmm. different people in that room that spoke into her life, Maria and Marjorie and Michael and Julio and just these people who spoke into her. But you know, I've been burned in a church before as well, yeah. right? And so I was able to say, share with her, you know, my experience. My point being is I could share that with her because I'd been through it. And I, and there's more credibility in the fact that I can say, look, I know what you're feeling. And that's what happened in the room, which was beautiful. But the second part of it is, and this goes back to what you're saying, I've been burned by people in my business as well. Uh, my job is to bring people into our company and, and grow them 
into very successful realtors, right? And I just could talk, you know, talk about a whole bunch of people that from very beginning, man, Michael, you're great. Boy, this is great. This is great. Boy, I just don't know what I'd do without you. And then they get to a certain place and they start saying, I don't really need you. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do for me now? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And I used to get so wrapped around the axle with that, yeah. you know, that this, and my wife, is so wonderful. And one of the things she taught me that I use all the time is Michael, you're only responsible for you. Your response is your response, right? And, and, and what God is going to do through that is going to be what God does. And so anyway, long story made short, I've been burned a lot of times and finally got burned really badly by a very, somebody I, you know, turned into a very top producing agent and the agent decided to leave. And man, I was just, uh, I just, you know, just, it was really bad. Yeah. And I got totally wrapped in what God did in that time. I don't know if it was a week. I don't know if it was a month. I don't know. But what God did in that time is he took me back to the greatest commandments of loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And then loving others as God loves you. Right. Even though we know we're sometimes unlovable. Uh, God loves us and we have to do the same for others. Right. Yeah. But the thing that I added to that for me is if I do those two things, then I never have to be attached to the outcome. Mm -hmm. That if I'm in every relationship trying to love God with all my heart and love that person as God loves them, then that outcome is God's, not mine. And I'm telling you, it changed the way this was. This was a bunch of years ago now, but since then, somebody comes to my company, I'm happy they came. Somebody chooses not to come to the company, I'm bummed. But okay, well, God must not have wanted you to be here. Or somebody leaves, same thing. And the point being is it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning. People see that and go, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> why, aren't, why aren't you upset that that person left? Or why didn't, are you upset that that person didn't come? I said, well, because I was in control of it. God was. Yeah. If that person was supposed to be here, they'd be here. If that person was supposed to stay here. And so it put me in a position to, going back to your question, it put me in a position of, serving people regardless of what two years down the road looks like or whatever and how to choose who to serve. I really kind of leave that up to them. You know, there's some folks that need a lot of my time. There are other people that just need me to answer the phone when they call. Right. Yeah. But, but I have to figure out ways to make sure each and every one of those people knows that I care about them. Yeah. And I'm a kind of an old fashioned kind of guy, but I have a roster you know, paper, printed out roster, alphabetical, blah, blah, blah. And I have that thing by my, my phone or my desk. And I look at that and I make little check marks when I've touched somebody or called somebody or texted somebody or they came into the office or whatever. And so at any given time during the week, I can see who I've had a contact with and who I haven't. And the people that I haven't, I'm intentional about the next week making sure that I'm doing something that makes those people realize that, Hey, I'm here. If you need me, great. Because they know I, I don't have time for a hundred people every week, you know, for half an hour or whatever the case may be. But, um, but I've always just said, I just want to be, I want to be a person that, uh, people see as being available and accessible. Mm. And, uh, I, I, you know, whether I'm in the office or not, they know that, if they text me, they're going to get a text back. If they call me, I'm going to text them back and say, hey, I can't talk to you right now, blah, blah. One of my pastors, we were in a meeting with some folks, and some, we were talking about 
being responsive. And one of the pastors uh, looked at me and said, you know, Michael can teach us a lot about that. And, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, because I really believe that you respond to my text before I even send it to you. <laughs> You're that quick. You know? That's awesome. And, you know, it's just who I am. You yeah. know, I just, I want people to feel like I'm available and I'm accessible yeah. because I'm there to serve them in whatever way that I, I can be of help to them. Yeah, that, that reminds me of my husband. I'll send text messages with questions or comments throughout the day because I'm like thinking about it. I don't want to lose it. I want to tell him later. And every time I do that, I always am like putting my foot in my mouth because he'll call me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk about it right now. I just needed to ask you the question. You could text yes or no. He's like, well, I want to talk about it. I want to process it. I want to hear your heart towards it. What was your intention behind the question? And I'm like, babe, I, I gotta go. I got so many other things to do. And yet at the same time, like he always calls me back into the rhythms of grace. He calls me back into my alignment and my pace and what my schedule looks like. And so I'm really glad that you mentioned that about availability and accessibility. Cause one of the things that I can, I can get my feelings hurt on and I've actually had to change my own mindset towards it to help not the person, because the person doesn't mean anything poorly by it. I, I really don't believe when they say this, but it's common culture and common phraseology when someone asks you, how are you? I'm good or I'm busy, right? And my I call busy a cuss word because I just, I can't stand it. I'm not a B, so don't call me busy. And as an entrepreneur, we get to choose our schedule, right? Like we get to choose what lands on there. We're saying yes or we are saying no. And sometimes we can be really guilty of saying yes to too many things. But when my friends or people that are in my community or my team even is like, I didn't want to bother you with this, or I didn't send you an invitation because I just thought you were too busy. I'm like, what? I don't even get the opportunity to respond. I don't even get the phone call. I don't even get that because of what they perceive from the outside looking in. I can only imagine through the years that people have perceived you as busy. I shift that word to intentional because of our control over that. But how do you respond to people when they're saying like, how do you do it all? You do so many things. Yeah. I, I, well, the way I respond to it is that, and again, as my wife says that there are not many people that can do what you do. Um, you know, you can be doing five things at once. And, uh, you know, if you came into my office, you would see that I situated myself in a place that I can see everything. It's like an air traffic controller. <laughs> I can see people. I can hear the front desk answering the phones to make sure they're being done. I can hear people walking in to talk to the front desk. I can hear people in the kitchen who've come in. I can look out the window and see who's driving in and driving out. And and so I kind of keep my, you know, sort of, okay, okay, here's somebody I haven't seen in a while. I'm going to go up and when they come in, I'm going to say hello to them. Or here's somebody that always comes in and takes a half an hour. So I got to stand up and go get some coffee so I can meet them in the kitchen so I can have a conversation with them, not get stuck, right, with them sitting in front of me, right? And um, they need, they, I need to care for them and, and whatever. But that's the other thing about entrepreneurs is when they're free, they're free. Yeah. They forget that maybe I have something, you know, that I need to be doing before a meeting in 10 minutes or whatever. They come into the office and, you know, they're, they're, they've got some time. And so yeah, they just, true. you know, kind of come in. And so you have to kind of, you know, deal with that. Right. Yeah. But, but again, the biggest thing is, is not to get frustrated, yeah. not to get, um, 
defensive or short-tempered because they're invading your space and and being able to say to them, hey, I've got five minutes. Yep. You know, it's great to see you, but I just want you to know I've got to be in a meeting. And and there you 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 have the problem where somebody says you're too busy. You know, oh well, he's too busy for me. You know, he only yeah. has five minutes. Well, yeah, only have five minutes right now. If you'd come in a right. half an hour ago, I would have had thirty-five minutes. <laughs> right, right. But they don't know that, right? Right, right. And then the other thing, and and I know you love this kind of thing. I, my pastor, um, preached on Psalm seventy-seven yesterday mm-hmm. or Sunday. And uh, it's a it's a psalm about remembering what God has done in your life. Mm. You know, the psalmist is lamenting. It's talking mm. about why aren't you here or whatever. But as it goes through the psalm, it, it, it gets into this remembering what God has done. And and I knew I, you know, I know that you would love this because of the thought process of that, of just remembering where God has met you in different places so that he can get you through the next place. But the thing that was amazing, and I think my next blog post is going to be on this, is Psalm seventy-seven nineteen says, your way was through the sea. He's talking to the Israelites going to the promised land. Your way was through the sea. Your path though the, through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You let your people like a flock by the, you, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And going back to something you said to me a little bit earlier, my path through my uh, health challenge was absolutely unseen, right? And and he had to take me through the water, through you know that that whatever. And and he, and that's why I want to write about it because it could be in the present time, but it also could be sort of like Psalm twenty three, right? The valley of shadow of death. You're going to go through that to get to what God really has in store from you in the next life, right? And yet. So many times, right? We don't see any footprints. We don't see any directional signs. You know, we're trusting that we're being led like sheep by the shepherd. Um, and I just love that that picture of um, uh, of um, being led through the sea. Uh, your path was through the great waters. You know, we go up to that. No, no way. There's no way. I'm, and it's the same thing with challenges in our life, right? That yeah. we get up against something and say, oh, there's no way I can get through this. I don't have the ability to get to the other side of this. But if God wants you to get to that, then he's going to make it. He's going to make you able, right? Uh, and I think it's in Philippians, right, where it talks about nothing's impossible for those who love the Lord, right? And uh, so anyway, I, I just think that's a really interesting perspective as we talk about who we are and being the people God wants to be not only in our families, Mm -hmm. but in our professional lives. Right. right? And trusting that we're on his path. And if we're on his path, then we can just keep going regardless of the obstacles that come, come in the way. Yeah, that's really good. I think that it makes me think of the fact that even if we aren't, you know, putting scripture at the footnotes of our emails or it's not hanging around our office. I I understand that we as entrepreneurs have a really big blessing in the fact that we get to be forefront of our faith gets to be in the things that we do um, in a very visual way or in a very spoken way. And not everybody who is a leader has the opportunity to do that in the confines of their business, in the confines of their corporation, whatever it is. And so I've been really navigating what that looks like, even by the things that we provide through our nonprofit side of what we do with Founder Collective is it makes me think of the conversation of leadership. 
And people are always really um, curious about leaders. And there's so many podcasts. They're just like, I want to, you know, interview more leaders. I want to interview more leaders. But everybody's a leader. Everybody's leading someone. Now, are you leading them through still waters or chaotic waters? I'm not sure. That's something that you can you can think about on your own terms. But everyone is a leader. And when the leader of leaders, which is Christ our Lord, is the one who is directing your path, is the one who's making it clear, that's when the fruit is seen. That's when the fruit is evident to the people in the times where the Lord parts your waters. And that's what he did to your, your story. And I'm sure many, many more stories through your, your journey. And that one just being so evident to the fact that the people who were the naysayers, the people who, you know, didn't think that you were going to make it through, the people who always put you on a pedestal, that it's, it's God that is lifted to that highest of highest place. Yeah, I think I think the whole earning the right to be heard, um, yeah. uh, which is a young life uh, sort of thought process. But um, when when you've earned the right, and and the earning the right is is entering into somebody's space and having them share how they feel, yeah. and you not just hearing it or saying something, but three days later the follow up behind yeah, it. Good. You know, how are you doing now? You know, mm. or putting people in touch with that person to, and to have that person really say, "Oh, they really meant it." Yeah, that's good. When they said they cared about me, right? right. Um, and 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 I think you know, again, you're right. Everybody's a leader in their own place, yeah. right? Every everybody is a leader, but um, you know, to be a leader, I mean, Christ is just so clear about the fact that we're to serve others first. Yeah. Right and. And I've just found over the years that I'm really lucky. Um, you know, I've managed real estate offices for a lot of different companies. I've never, ever um, been, um, uh, I've always made sure people knew where I stood as far as my faith was concerned. And I'm really fortunate that no company has ever, no. you know, tried to squash that. Now, yeah. I'd like to believe it's because of the way that I went about it, right? Yeah that it wasn't heavy handed. It wasn't, yeah. you know, shoving it down somebody, whatever. But at the same time, I know there are a lot of people that are in places that they are stifled mm-hmm. uh, and they have to be careful. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so again, it's one another one of those things where I can say, well, yeah, I'm a person of faith and therefore my faith is as important to me in my workplace as it is in my personal life. Yeah. That's easy to say when you haven't had people, yeah. you know, that you're not promoting you or, right. I mean, there was one particular situation where I didn't get a job uh, uh, because of, I, I believe I didn't get the job because um, the the, guy, the gal that was making the decision was very, was uncomfortable with my faith, not yep. my faith itself, but just because mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wasn't attached to the outcome. I was going to yep. tell people what I thought and what was yep. best and whatever. And I think she was kind of looking for a yes person. Yep. And I'm, I, that's one thing I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> uh, so yeah. But, but, but the other thing you said, Tamara, I think makes sense is all these people making money, not that there's anything wrong with making money. Yeah. Um, but these conferences of, of CEOs learning how to be faithful in their work right. to me, that's, 
just, and I'm very fortunate with that. Just such a, I don't understand why you have to converse from that. God says to love Him with all your heart, yeah. mind, and soul. All right, so that's what I'm going to do in my workplace. I'm going to do that, and and I'm going to serve people like Christ tells me to serve them. And when we begin to do those things, mm-hmm. and God gets honored, yeah, and people get cared for, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's good. Um, but I know there are a lot of people that you know uh, struggle with how to that it's not two boxes. It's right. one box. Right, right. A hundred percent. We're all in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I had some interesting, as I've been like navigating the conversation around faith-fueled leaders and um, business and faith collision and what that looks like more effectively. Again, I don't think it's separate boxes. I think it's all one box, but it has been because of the separation of church and state. Um, right. So un- uncommon. It's more uncommon than it is common um, unless you work for a company that says they are faith-based company, right? And so I was navigating this conversation. They were saying, when you are the... Uh, uh, what's the word? Not the minimal. When you are the, ah, uh, when you're the least of, when you're the, when your numbers are the less than everybody else, when you're the minority is what I'm trying to say. I'm like, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. When you're the minority as a Christian in what can be a majority of, we won't even say a blanket of just non-believers is what we'll say. Um, it is really hard to vocalize and to stand, uh, in your beliefs because it becomes like a herd, right? And when everybody's herding towards one thing and you're in the middle of that herd, it's like, oh, you're going to this experience. Oh, you're going to, to be here. Um, oh, you're, you're actually a part of it. Your child is too, because we're all in this community together. It starts to like, you know, you have that spirit of conviction and yet you don't know how to vocalize it. Is there any suggestions that you would give somebody who's in scenarios like that? Well, a couple of things that come to mind. Social media gives us an opportunity that we never had before, at least yeah. early on in my career. I can have a personal Facebook page and I can, as you know, I can post something every morning yeah. that has come to me through my devotion and stuff. And, and people can choose to follow me or not. They don't have yeah. to follow me. That's but it, I have a lot of people in my my professional life that yeah. follow me, yeah. right? And And... I've been doing this over the last few years, this humorous haikus every day where I take a picture of something during the day and I write a haiku about it. uh, (laughs) A lot of people don't realize it, but the intention is not only to have some fun with it, but every about, well, especially when I post my blog or something else, I will lead people back to, to God in those haikus so that they, you know, they're, they're following it because they want to read the haiku and you'd love this. My family, I turned 70 in November and my family had a birthday dinner for me all my brothers and sisters and my kids and whatever. And instead of standing around like a lot of people do and telling, telling you how wonderful you are and why yeah. they're grateful <laughs> to have you as a brother or whatever, they all wrote haikus about me. So good. And they called, and they called them maikus. Oh, they called them maikus. And so, so each good. of them, and so it was, it was just these three lines. That's they didn't awesome. have to, you know, run, and it was just so beautiful. I have them and I can That's look at them cool. and it just, it's, but, but one, it's such a beautiful thing, but two, it showed me that, that they got it, you know, mm-hmm. that they understood, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, but the other thing, uh, as it relates to, to, to what we're talking about here is, is going back to this whole thing about earning the right to be heard. Yeah. Because if we live our life in a certain way, people are going to ask you. Yeah. And when they ask you, that changes the church and state, puts it on its head because they asked you. And so oh, then I can say, I don't know. It's kind of like the blind man, right? Yeah. 
I don't know who that guy was. Yeah. And I don't know why he did it on Sunday, but all I can tell you is that I'm blind. Yeah. And now I can see. see. Right? Yeah. And it's that same thing. We can have that same kind of conversation with people saying, look, I don't know about you, but let me tell you what this means to me. And then the other thing, a friend of mine uh, who's a UVA professor here, uh, amazing Christian guy, been here a long, long time. He runs office hours, unlike a lot of professors. He runs office hours on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Usually they have them for an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. He'll do them until people are not there anymore. So mm-hmm. sometimes he's there for like five hours. Wow. And he's got this little room that has snacks, snacks in it and everything. And people come to see him. And what he does is when he's talking to people and they, they're sharing stuff with him, not just about economics but other things, yeah. he'll say, would you mind if I pray for you? Wow. So he asked them the question in the room, would you mind if I pray for you? And, 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 and he tells me that very rarely does anybody refuse. He said, no, that'd be great. So he bows his head and he prays for them. Wow. He knows that there are people, he knows there are people that make up reasons to come talk to him about economics, but it's because they want him to pray for him again because they've never been prayed for before. Wow. And in those situations, this public institution but they asked, he asked, they gave him permission. And uh, so that's, I guess, wow. the answer to the question yeah, is, are you going to, are you know, asking people permission? Uh, you're asking me a question. Can I answer it the way, you know, that, that, that I want to answer it? Yeah. Be, knowing that I'm a person of faith, are you comfortable with me doing that? And then it's not on you anymore. They've asked and, and opened themselves up to say, yes, I want to know good. more. Please tell me how I should handle this situation, you know, in whatever way that you think is best. That's so good. It's so, I'm like so excited. First off, I want to try haikus. I got to interview Bruce Pulver, who I know you also know recently too. So I've got acronyms and haikus to add to my poetic language. I've got to create a rap for Michael before he comes to see me next. And I had some writing and some words to to play around with, which makes me so excited. But I really love the like- Bruce and I have really fun with the acronyms because, you know, his are, he'll do his with several words in one. Right. When I do them, I only allow it to be one, one. word. One, yeah, right? yeah. Right, so, you know, so he'll do his, and then I'll, I'll fire back like a bye. Go or, small, you know, yeah. I'll fire it back with That's what so I've good. done. And so, we, yeah, we have that little simpatico going. It's so good. And I loved, like, learning about how even just that practice for other people can be not only therapeutic, but it can really like lead teams. It can lead organizations. I mean, it's so powerful. Words have so much momentum connected to them. I'll never forget when the Lord shared with me. Um, literally, it wasn't one of those audible moments, but a language that you've never said before, words that you've never said before in this particular synchronicity. And he just said, as steady as the wind is, so is my word. And I've held on to that the last several months since he shared it with me. And I'm just like, man, it's so true because the wind never stops blowing and the wind is always moving, whether it's a still day or not, it's there. And I love the steadiness of what words provide. And that's why we just have to make sure that what we're saying and how we're saying is understanding that our life is actually the living word. Just as Jesus's life is the living word. 
People are creating and generating words based on our actions, based on our posture, based on our body language, based on the hardships that we go through and how we handle those. And so I, I really believe that so much of who you are is a testament to how the living word runs through you, but also how you're literally living the word every single day. Yeah, and Tamara, I think it goes back to John 15, right? About being attached to the vine. Yep. You know, we need to be tethered. And yeah. the, we have to be tethered to the truth because yeah. the wind and the world is going to yeah. blow us from one place to the X. But if yeah. we can cling, especially when the wind's blowing hard, we yeah. both arms around it, you know, we're clinging to the vine. Mm. We're going to be nourished and produce fruit, which hopefully is going to be seen as attractive. So yeah. people say, Hey, I'd like some of that. Yeah. You know? I mean, exactly I'm sure it. you do. You've got people in your life and your yeah. story where you look at them and go, Hey, I want what you have. Yeah. Right. I, yep. Whatever that is, I want it. It kind of goes back full circle to what we talked about. Very good. Bill Clark, my friend, mm-hmm. right. I wanted what he had. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how, but, and then I found out how to get it on this Young Life weekend, but his life and the way he lived his life and the way he cared for me, right, attracted me and saying, I want that. How do I get that? And then we get the opportunity to say, you know, just about opening your heart and letting him in and he's going to do the rest, right? I mean, we just got to let it happen and then he takes over from there. It's really good. I feel like the need as people are processing, maybe they're in that space of um, stagnation towards sharing their faith, that there mm-hmm. could be a, a haiku, there could be a, a one-liner, there could be um, something that you could say, even if it's to your own spirit, that would prompt you into action towards living the word in those scenarios. Doesn't mean that you have to throw out a specific Bible verse, but it would allow you to have the right heart posture when things happen or when you're being herded into the wrong direction to stand steadfast and to remain in the truth that you know. Um, And so I just think that the biggest thing is connected to that. It's the abiding. It's like being in the word allows you to live the word. And so thanks for being a testimony to that. Thanks for being here today and serving the community. I hope that you guys get connected to Michael and all of his words through thankfulinallthings.com. There's another link also here um, with caringbridge.org. And so I really am expectant that you're going to have just some new people that you'll be able to guide and mentor and who might just be there to read your haikus. But either way, we appreciate you so much. You know, and Tim, it's it's really interesting. One thing we were talking about earlier and I forgot to say is that through this Guillain-Barre, even this week, Kim Farrar, who you know, yeah. saw on Facebook about somebody in Omaha, Nebraska, who has Guillain-Barre. Wow, and yeah. she highlighted me on that Facebook post. And so now I'm in touch with the guy's so wife. So good. And being able to, you know, because I've been through it, yeah. I, I don't live wow. in Omaha. Unfortunately, yeah. I would love to go there and be yeah. with them because uh, I've done that in Charlottesville with people where I've walked through it with people. But that's the that's the beauty of it right that that you've been oh michael's yeah. been through that yeah. i'm gonna and even on sunday with this gal sharing her heart right you're going yeah. back to what you were saying just a minute ago my little mantra i've got a lot of them but one of my <laughs> mantras is the light the, the light always defeats the darkness yeah. whether it's for me personally opening up and allowing the light to come in and take care of something in my own life or in this gal sunday sharing her heart confessing that i'm and not in a good place with my church and with my faith. And to watch these different lights wow. in that room shine into her darkness and encourage her that, one, 
her doing that allowed the light to come in and defeat that. But two, she changed the whole dynamics of that room that morning. And we all left there knowing that we need that ourselves and that we can provide it to others as well. That's so good. It's the vulnerability piece, you know, of like actually sharing too, what you're walking through, why you're walking through it. Sometimes it doesn't feel comfortable to share the hard things, but I'm really open with my community in, in that regard. And it, I don't know what the outcome is, but if I wait until the outcome has happened, then it looks like it's either self-generated or yeah, right. That's not true. But if they can see me in the struggle, if they can hear about what I'm walking through and then they get to see how I do what you said at the beginning, which is do what's next. Just do what's next and let God to shine through that. Then there's miracles on miracles that people get to witness because you're being authentic to it. And so I love that you've done that and you're making space for people to do that every single week. So yeah, you guys can jump into his clubhouse room as well at 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings, Eastern Standard Time, and uh, follow all the links here so that you can get in touch with Michael. Have him on your show. I know I've got a lot of podcasters that tune in. And um, if you have a stage, you guys, if you have something in a space, in a place that you would love for some uh, authentic leadership to be displayed, Michael is your man. I appreciate Ah, you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. You're so welcome. All right, y'all, tune in. Do all the things, you know, that I always request that you do. Review, like, subscribe, share. I mean, what do you not do today? But ultimately, remember, you don't have to follow me. You just got to follow him. That's what being fit in faith is all about. All right, y'all. All right, quick interruption. But actually, it's not really an interruption. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to come deeper not just be a podcast listener that we really never get to interact with, but be a part of the family, be a part of the foundation of what the founder collective is heart premised on. And that's Ephesians 2.19, that we are found in him, that we are a family and operating as one on the foundation of Christ with him as our chief CEO, our chief cornerstone. And what does that look like? How can you come in further? Well, we have a weekly founder collective call. That's a Zoom call. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It's open conversation, similar to how we have this podcast, talking about business practices and truth principles and how we're actually living a life on purpose and in the presence of God consistently. And we want you to be in on the us because we wanna make way for your message, for your movement to be known and to be equipped and to also be resourced. We love sharing resources, which is what we do in that weekly call. So you're invited, you're invited. Come one, come all to all the things. If you need more information, I'm sure wherever you're listening to this or seeing this, you can get it in the link. So look, go a little deeper, go a little further into what God is calling you into. This is a summoning, this is a call, this is a roundup for you to also be fully founded in Him as a founder in the Founder Collective. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us and this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network, which is obviously why we got connected and are so grateful to be a part of the community. They have shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Some of mine that I listen to on a regular basis are on Life Audio. Even some of our community members who have been a part of the Fit and Faith team through our coaching or different organizations, they're there too. So I definitely want to drive you over there, check it out. And thanks again, Life Audio, for being you. 
Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.